We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now McDermott again, right to the rim with authority. Robin gets around. Warren lets it fly. Yes! TJ Warren is not human! Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome to our 200th episode of Setting the Pace. Wow, crazy that we're here, but we are joined today doing a little crossover podcast. The sideline guides, Pat Boylan, Jeremiah Johnson. Pat, how's it going, man? Hey, guys. Appreciate you having both of us, and it's good to be talking with you guys. I think uh, this is my first appearance on the podcast, so I figured that. After 199, I had seen enough. Uh, <laughs> well, JJ, what's going on, man? Hey, it, uh, I think I previously said long-time listener, first-time caller, but now I'm, you know, to second or third, probably third or fourth, actually. But congrats on the great work, and I'm honored that you could celebrate such a momentous show by having uh, Pat and I on. Sideline guys, setting the pace crossover. Oh, You absolutely. wouldn't want to have it any other way, guys. <laughs> Yeah, so let's let's get things started. So obviously, it's been a little bit of a rough stretch for the Pacers. They get things turned around last night against the Pistons. So, Pat, I'll start with you. You know, what did you notice last night in that Pistons game that was different than uh, some of the previous games where the Pacers had struggled? Well, I, I thought first and foremost in the first half, you know, they avoided digging themselves into a hole, which I thought was important. Detroit's an interesting team to me because uh, they're six and nineteen, so by record, they're clearly not very good, but. Um, if you look at the teams they have beaten, it's kind of a who's who of the NBA. Uh, they've beaten the Lakers, um, I think the Bucks. they had beaten the Nets, uh, Toronto, Miami. So just about everybody that they had beaten um, was a good team, including Brooklyn on Tuesday, who the Pacers then lost to um, on Wednesday and, and clearly had a struggle in the first half in that one. So I thought first and foremost, just, you know, kind of steadying themselves in the first half was really important. 
And then uh, in the third quarter, obviously, they started to pull away. I thought it was important to see how they closed the game um, because Detroit had a couple of runs there. The Pacers were able um, to stymie them. But ultimately, to me, it comes down to this. When you don't have Levert and you don't have Warren, um, a lot more pressure on Brogdon and Sabonis to play well. Those guys are extremely consistent. Um, but it's unrealistic to expect them to play well 100% of the time. And unfortunately for the Pacers, um, they had had a, a handful of games in a row where they both were struggling at the same time. So Sabonis so has a 26.8 rebound, eight assist game, um, and, and still probably not vintage Malcolm Brogdon, but he looked a lot better. 18 points, nine rebounds, four assists. Um, and, and those two playing well, at least while this team is currently constructed as it is, I think is the most important thing. So I think there's uh, no coincidence that the Pacers had uh, not only a win, but what ended up being a fairly convincing win with those two playing a lot better. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, JJ, I know you always have your pulse on, on the fan base, and we've been overreacting quite a bit lately, but I've heard some people say, you know, Brogdon and Sabonis, maybe they need to be rested for a game or so. But how vital do you think it was to get a win while you could? Because these wins aren't coming easy lately. And getting a win over the, the Pistons feels like we can maybe, you know, turn the tide a bit. Do you think a win was more important than rest? Oh, I definitely think a win was uh, the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I, you know, sometimes I think we can overreact a little bit to minutes played, although I do think there is some point to saying that Malcolm Brogdon maybe was starting to get a little bit tired and maybe DeMontis Sabonis. But we've seen this his entire career, that he's had weak stretches where he's just had trouble finishing and his field goal percentage has been down, and he's always come back. And I don't know whether that's fatigue or if it's just, you know, defense is concentrating so much to stop him that, that it affects him. But they had to get a win. I think the thing that stood out to me was Nate Bjorker before the game mentioned that – he wanted to see more guys involved and that Malcolm Brogdon and DeMontis Sabonis were going to be looking for their teammates. I don't think it was something they purposefully went out and did in that, you know, five out of six or six out of seven streak where they tried to shoot more or tried to score more. But I think they just felt the pressure that they had to because, you know, you it's it's catching up to them that they don't have Victor Oladipo or that other dynamic guard. And, and you also don't have the wing um, help with TJ Warren. So I think they maybe have been trying too hard, and I think they just had to be reminded, you've got to get your teammates involved. DeMontis Sabonis is great in the low post scoring, but he's probably even better as a passer. So at the end of the first quarter, to have 11 points, but also to have five assists, I thought was really key. And at halftime, Malcolm Brogdon was letting the game come to him, and then when he saw the opportunities, he took advantage in the third quarter. To win, they're going to have to be around 20 points at least per game, Brogdon and Sabonis, but they also have to find their teammates, and that was maybe the most important takeaway, I thought, from the Pistons game. Yeah, and JJ, I want to come back to you real quick because last night we saw Bjorken go back to that shorter rotation just playing eight guys, and, of course, uh, Goga Batadze was the, was the guy that did not make that rotation uh, in the Pistons game. So um, throughout the games that he did play, though, I think we're starting to see a steady progression from Goga Batadze. Can you just talk about what you've seen overall from him this season and, and some of the good things and some of the bad things? Yeah, I mean, there were times last season where he could maybe score some points, but he got picked on defensively. So that's the biggest takeaway is that I don't see teams just targeting him, getting him in a pick and roll and getting him out of place and not really in the right spot 
defensively. So I think whatever they're doing in terms of teaching him the scheme and where he's supposed to be on the court on that end of the floor, that's been a definite improvement. He's always someone who's going to be able to score. And, and I think that the three-point shot is something that will come. But to, to, to your point about him not being a part of the rotation, I did see a lot of people freaking out saying, you know, he played great for a week. How is he not in the rotation? And why are they only playing eight? I do think it goes back to, um, despite the fact that he had been playing well, it's more about the rotation that he had been playing with that you weren't getting as much production out of. And so I think Doug McDermott going into the starting lineup was key to get him more playing with Sabonis because those two play so well together. And in the second unit, some starters with those three bench players. Goga's days will come, but they had to get a win. They had to kind of find the better rotations. And I think what we've seen over the last week is Gogo Bataze is someone that you can trust to put on the court virtually in any situation. They wanted to leave him on the court the entire fourth quarter against Philadelphia, and that's a pressure-packed situation. So you know what you have. You'll continue to see growth from him. But just because he doesn't play in a certain game or maybe the next game, I don't think you should freak out. I think you have to be at least pleased with where he's at and the fact that he is developing. I definitely love what I've seen lately out of Goga. So definitely made a couple great points there. For Pat, um, you know, we've seen that fifth starter really be like a revolving door. I mean, as JJ mentioned, yesterday it was McDermott that went to the starting lineup, Lamb back to the bench. I love what I've seen out of Jeremy Lamb so far this season, but what role do you prefer to see him in or think that benefits the team? Is it in the starting lineup or coming off the bench? Well, I think it's still pretty early, and I think you can make a case for both. I think Jeremy Lamb is a top-five player of the players the Pacers have available right now, but it's kind of interesting timing. Slick Leonard brought this up at halftime a few games ago that he thought uh, it might be worth giving Jeremy Lamb a, a try on the bench, uh, off the bench, I should say, uh, going forward. And uh, JJ and I talked about it on our podcast on Wednesday, and then we got to see it come to fruition in that game against the Pistons. The one stat that really stood out to me as it related to Jeremy Lamb was his efficiency, his shooting numbers were pretty good no matter where he was, off the bench or as a starter. But um, his shots, his, his attempts per game were way down as a starter. He was taking about uh, four more shots per game coming off the bench. And I'm pro whatever gets Jeremy Lamb more looks. And I think one of the storylines, and I really hope this becomes one of the storylines because it means the Pacers are getting healthier. But I think something we might be talking about closer to the end of the season, if Levert and if Warren get back, might be, um, you know, it's challenging to get all five starters going in the same game. Um, we saw small, tiny little blips of it at the beginning of the season before Warren went out. And in, in a similar train of thought, line of thought, um, I'm just not sure him with the starting rotation allows him to take full advantage of his abilities. I, I think with the second group, he's able to be more aggressive. You know, when you got Brogdon and Sabonis on the floor, and then, of course, throw in Turner, Justin Holiday's having a great year, um, you know, you have to defer to those guys a lot. When he's with group two, he can kind of, uh, you know, shoulder a lot more load as it relates to offensive um, shot attempts, production. And so I'm not sure it was a coincidence that he goes back to the bench. He takes more shots, scores more points. The Pacers win. I also think McDermott um, with the starting lineup makes some sense. We know he and Savonis have a lot of chemistry. Um, and another guy to spread the floor is never a bad thing. So uh, I, I want to see a bit more of how this goes. He's only played, Jeremy, I think five games off the bench. But I think there is some evidence there that, um, at least in my opinion, that might be the way uh, the Pacers go. And then also you add in the fact that when you hopefully get Levert and Warren back, 
then, uh, you know, Jeremy Lamb's been coming off the bench potentially for um, a month plus, and he's a little bit more used to that role too, which could be a positive. So I am uh, optimistic in watching what he's done off the bench, and I think that's especially important when you consider that really what's happened is as the Pacers have lost a couple of guys to injury, what ends up happening is the starting lineup plucks a couple of guys from the bench, and then it's your second unit that oftentimes – bears the bigger brunt of that so I really like counterbalancing that with throwing Jeremy Lamb with group two yeah I couldn't agree more with you there Pat I mean it was just one of those things the starters weren't clicking they had a really bad record with Jeremy in that starting five and then they actually played really well with him off the bench and you know whether it was Sumner starting or whether it was McDermott starting just having a different fifth starter seemed to be a little bit better for the overall balance of the team so it was it was good to see Bjorken go back to that and it's good to see Jeremy be successful in that role but Pat I gotta ask you know looking at this Pacers team overall right now 26 games in they're at 500 13 and 13 they trade Victor Oladipo in the middle of the season to find out about Karis LeVert just a lot of stuff has happened in the short season I'm, I'm curious your overall thoughts on this team uh, throughout the whole entire season. Well, I think it's important to point out, and I'm not sure that this has gotten enough discussion, but I think it's important to point out that I think you do that Victor Oladipo for Karis LeVert deal every single time because big picture, it gives you a, you know, a 20 point per game potential score and it gives you the ability to have him for years down the road, which you did not have with Oladipo. And as we talked about on the podcast, frankly, I was surprised that the Pacers were able to get such good value for Oladipo, but I think it's important to note, like essentially in the short term for a couple of months here, we'll see how long you've traded Victor Oladipo for nothing as it relates to this team on the floor right now. So um, that's a pretty tough challenge to come over, especially when you had played a couple of weeks into the season with Oladipo um, to then have to adjust to not having him and not having, you know, about 20 points per game that he was giving you. And I'm not sure that challenge has been uh, considered enough you know, Indiana has one less one less starter on the floor um, capable of making those kind of plays. Now, big picture, I think it's a terrific deal. You'll hopefully get Karis LeVert um, into the lineup. He'll be able to fulfill that role. You'll hopefully have him long term. But what it means for this group in the next in the last month plus in the next who knows month plus. Um, is significant, and that's a really tough challenge to get over. Um, and, and where this team is right now, look, I think they've got a roster that's better than 500, and I think they're more than capable of playing above 500. And I, I've you know, kind of phrased it as, can you do a little bit better than tread water? Right now they're, uh, you know, by definition, treading water at 500. Um, but I certainly think they can. you got a couple of all-star caliber players in, in Brogdon and Sabonis, and I think the defense stands to still improve. Like, I, I know we're over a month into the season now, but I still think it's important to note that these guys are playing a pretty different system than they did a year ago. And for those Pacers who have been here longer term, two, three, four, five years. And that's going to take time to adjust. It's not going to be perfect um, right off the bat. And so I, I think this group as currently assembled has the ability to be good. I think when you hopefully get Warren and Levert back, then I think the group has the potential to be very good, perhaps even great. Um, but right now, I, I think they can be a team that, um, you know, hangs around the top of the pack. And I think it's really important. Like when you hopefully get those guys back, you can't be looking at this big, massive deficit that you have to try to run off, you know, nine of 10 to close the year to try to get back into the top four, top five, top six, wherever you want to draw the line. This group has to do a good enough job. So if you hopefully get those guys back, 
um, that you haven't dug yourself too big of a hole. And I think that's a major storyline of, you know, the first half of the season. Hopefully we'll start to get some more information on Levert and Warren as the weeks go by. Um, but can this group keep you close enough that once those guys do hopefully come back, um, you can make some headway? Because I think it's also important to note, like, if Karis Levert comes back this year, he's going to be coming off, you know, a pretty significant um, medical condition that involved a surgery. He's never played with this Pacers group before. And then uh, if and when Warren comes back, you know, a pretty significant injury that's going to keep him out a big chunk of the season. This is an NBA 2K21. You can't just plug these guys in and then have them be their typical normal selves. There's going to be some adjustment period there too. So um, I, I think it's extremely important to watch what this group does over the next month or so. We'll see if we end up getting a timeline on Levert or Warren in the next few weeks, but um, they, they can't allow themselves to fall too far away from the pack. And Pat, even if Levert doesn't play this year, I still make that trade 10 out of 10 times. And I really look forward to when Levert gets on the court. But for now, I know you talked about, you know, the team standpoint, but you know, JJ, what has been your thoughts on Nate Bjorkren through the first 26 games of the season from a coaching standpoint? Uh, you know, I think that you always have to be paying attention because you never know at what point in the game the zone might come out. I, I credit Quinn a lot for this because sometimes I'll be uh, logging the game or writing something down and he'll say they're in the 2-3 or they're in a 1-2-2 or they're in a box in one and it doesn't immediately um, come to my attention. And so you're not used to seeing things like that from the Pacers. I think the other thing is you expected him to have this positive attitude. And even in the recent, you know, losing stretch, he's been positive. Now I would kind of love to personally be behind closed doors and to see some of practices like I used to be able to do just to see if he's getting after them, you know, maybe not publicly because I think it is important that he has their back. He is supporting the guys at all times, even after difficult games like Milwaukee, for instance. Uh, he's he's been pretty positive, and that's been one thing. And I've had some kind of off-camera conversations with Eddie Gill because you know he's played for a variety of coaches, and you know it, there's a fine line to walk between always always being that sunshine personality when sometimes guys need to be you know criticized or you've got to get after them. And I have no doubt that he is you know, picking and choosing the right moments for those. But I would just say a little bit unpredictable in terms of the the uh, what you see on the court. Now, the rotations, I've been a little surprised. You know, we, we expected to see, you know, maybe more changes to the starting lineup, not necessarily injury-related. Now, we did see that against Detroit. Uh, we expected some differences in rotations. I think what he did against Philadelphia was kind of more true to what he has said about going with the hot hand or whoever is working, you know, at that particular time. But – we have seen a reliance on on the heavier minutes. But then if I really take a step back and I analyze the way the Raptors play, um, maybe it shouldn't be such a big surprise because they do ride guys like Kyle Lowry when he is playing. He's playing heavy minutes. And they do rely on their stars to to, to do a lot for them. And then they don't do a lot of practicing. And, and nobody really is practicing a lot right now, I think, in the NBA. But the Pacers are probably, if there's a ranking 1 to 30, I think they're probably in the – top five in terms of the least amount of times they could have practiced, but they decided to not, or they just wanted to give guys a break. And I think the COVID testing also is impacting that because if, if you have a practice, you've got to also go through all of those protocols. And so it's, it's stressful and it's tiring. And so I think he's doing a really good job of thinking big picture. And that's the one thing that, you know, fans are always going to be upset 
not just about a loss. They get upset about a first quarter deficit. So you can't (laughs) on a Tuesday night in January or February, you're not thinking about the big picture, but I do think he is thinking about that at least in terms of, you know, not overreacting to a record in February and thinking, you know, you've got to be a home court advantage team. This is a different season anyways, that home court advantage is proving to not be as big of a deal, but if they can kind of feel more comfortable and if they can kind of get confidence for guys to where Warren and Levert come back, they'll be in a good position. So um, I think it's been fun to watch. I don't think we really know everything about him just because we've had so little, you know, face-to-face interactions, but you know, after the last, you know, four to five years, kind of knowing what to expect, it has been kind of enjoyable to see the unpredictability. Yeah, and JJ, you know, I I could talk Pacers basketball and all the nitty-gritty stuff with you uh, all day long, but I just, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask um, about these commercials, a little bit behind the behind the scenes, get a little behind the scenes, uh, uh, you know, just knowledge from you on these all-star campaign commercials that you have put out. So, uh, first of all, I got to know where you got the jacket, and two, uh, how much fun did you have making those uh, campaign videos? Well, first, I'll go back to you. I don't know that I've seen too many uh, reviews from the Setting the Pace Twitter account. So do you guys give it thumbs up? I gave you one. I remember that. <laughs> I, I loved right. it. I, right. I did say on one of the podcasts that it was so cringy that it was great. <laughs> cringy. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of infomercials are a little cringy. Very so much. If you're going to go and you're going to go for that, I think you've got to go all in. And so that was my biggest thing is we, when we were um, recording those. And obviously we did them all at, in one morning. And, um, you know, I had very little to do with the, the writing and things like that. I just had to try to provide some different <laughs> – um, you know, levels of enthusiasm. And, and I'm normally thinking I could just scream and yell like a used car salesman, but there was a different tone required, I think, for each commercial, especially if you watch the basket making basics, then it's almost a little bit of a, a librarian tone with a wild jacket. But I'll give credit to uh, our fine folks in the Pacers marketing department. Uh, Josh Stuck is the one that went and found that jacket. And it's similar to one that I have looked for probably in the past during uh, some of the Craig Sager nights. I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to wear that on the air because uh, our boss, Pat and I's boss, VP of Broadcasting, Jamie Burns, I think he he likes my my sport coats, but he doesn't want it to kind of go too far. So uh, I'm thinking one night for a pregame show, I'm just going to show up because I don't even get to see him anymore. We don't really get to have meetings before the shows. It's just pretty much talking through headsets. I'm going to just show up with the jacket on for the pregame show and see, you know, what he says. But uh, I, thought the, I thought the jacket worked. I thought that, uh, you know, they did a great job of editing those together. And and the big thing was I hope the players liked them because um, I think there was some approval from the basketball side, but I'm not sure if they specifically said, you know, hey, Domas, what do you think about, um, you know, this, this glass cleaner? And, and what do you think about basket making basics? Because, you know, they're – at some point the organization has the right to to put their own campaign out there. And so by all accounts, the players do like them. The only bad part was it did seem to coincide with a little bit of a losing streak. So it was harder oh. to get, to get fully behind them, but I hoped I wasn't to blame for that. No, 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 <laughs> no, we won't, we won't blame you, but I got to ask you, Pat, I know we got to get you guys out of here because it's uh, getting close to crunch time for you, but Pat, what were your thoughts on the JJ commercials? Any critiques, any, uh, any, any uh, thoughts on those? 
<laughs> no, I thought he did an excellent job. I thought, as he said, the jacket uh, sold them. And I will give Jeremiah credit because sometimes it can be tough when you are asked to uh, perform a certain way as a broadcaster. It's almost like uh, you have to put on the actor's shoes to do that. <laughs> um, and so, like, like to me, the ultimate compliment for those is exactly what you said. It was a little cringy. Bingo. That's what you're going for. You're going <laughs> for a little cringy. Uh, yeah. And they were a little cringy. And that's why um, it worked so well. Because you have to catch attention. Like, it's 2021. You can't just tweet, vote for DeMontis Sabonis, hashtag NBA All-Star. You mm-hmm. have to find a way to grab people's attention. Um, and so, uh, I, I don't think i have said this to you jeremiah but tip of the cap to you because um you definitely caught their attention so if you want a grade i, I give it an a plus especially oh, considering great. especially considering how quickly uh that came to fruition for you i don't think you had a ton of time to consider uh, exactly how to put forth uh, an oscar winning performance uh, i think you did a tremendous job well i appreciate that and i guess between this podcast and then the actual um, the three 30 second spots. Uh, I may have to talk to my agent who is myself, but uh, I think <laughs> you know, if there's any businesses out there, I've got some resume real material and I think I could be a spokesman. You know, everybody loves Denary and his dogs, but uh, hey, if, yeah. if, if you, if you want to grab the attention in a different way, um, this character is available. Hey, I'm, I'm all for it. And, uh, you know, I just have to say, because when you guys were first coming out with your, what you guys wanted to be called, I think you were two birds chirping for a little yep. bit. And you guys were talking <laughs> about uh, what your show should be called. I did come up with the idea of PB&J squared. I'm still disappointed that one was not the winner. But, you know, you're always PB&J squared in my heart. But sideline guys uh, you know it's 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 a great it's a great podcast want to encourage all of our listeners if you're listening to this and not listening to the sideline guys you're missing out and once again episode 200 thank you guys so much for coming on being a part of it and uh, I know it's Friday afternoon so very busy weekend ahead of us but thank you guys so much for coming on thank you happy to do it thanks for having us thanks guys all righty, Fachi. Well, once again, I want to thank the sideline guys for coming on. It's always good to talk with them. And Fachi, you know, any thoughts on what they had to say about this team? Oh, yeah. I mean, basically, it's like I was saying before, the sky's not falling, but we just needed that W to remind everyone that we're going to be all right. And look, they're in agreement, too. Maybe these guys are a bit tired, but you can't pass up the opportunity to get a win. And luckily, the Pacers did that against Detroit. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I thought they both had really good things to say about the team and everything they've gone through, you know, the Oladipo trade, like I mentioned, and then, of course, you know, trying to get new guys acclimated in different roles. And I think Pat brought it up saying, you know, it's, it's hard to get so many guys going when so many guys are touching the basketball, you know, like Brogdon's got to get his shots, Sabonis has to get his, and putting Lamb back on the bench really balances things. So, I mean, I just – I wouldn't overreact, and that's kind of the whole thing, like – it felt like the sky was falling from some of the comments we were seeing during those games. And, like, I actually kind of felt good, like, hey, they're going to come out after a couple of days rested and play well against the Nets. And they just fell flat on their faces. Like, it was just a, a complete embarrassment the way they came out in that first half. And then once that first half happened, I think that was kind of a wake-up call because that second half, no, they didn't really ever become close within that game. But only losing by 10, able to, being able to – develop something like in that second half it was not about coming back and winning the game it was about establishing a hey this can't keep happening anymore and, and they had to go into that mode Fachi, where basically they had to start playing team basketball again because they had quit playing team basketball 
No, they really did. I mean, the Pacers came out as flat as could be against Brooklyn. I mean, 30 points in the first half, 18 in the first quarter, then 12 in the second quarter. I mean, that was one of the worst first halves of basketball I've seen the Pacers play in a while. But like you mentioned, I think it was about finishing strong. If you see that the Pacers only lost by 10, the game was not close, but it was clearly just about fighting for respect and to get back on the right track. And against Detroit, while the first half wasn't great, the second half very much was. And they pulled away, and it looked like a convincing win. Pacers won by about six, it was 16 points. Shot really good from three-point land. Just they, they did a lot of things well in that second half against Detroit and that second half against Brooklyn. So it's kind of uh, been a little bit of a, a rough you know, start to some of these games lately. So I think we have to put a little bit more emphasis on coming out strong to start moving forward. Oh, I, I completely agree. But I do think that whether it was McDermott or some, they're like, yes, I, I mentioned McDermott could make sense in the starting lineup. But I yep. also thought Sumner made sense if they wanted to try to keep that bench rotation intact. And I think I think Pat brought that up as well, just talking about the bench, you know, having Lamb on the bench already. So when the two starters do come back, he's already well acclimated with that, with that group. And that's kind of why I thought, well, Sumner kind of makes sense because – then you have McDermott on the bench getting acclimated with playing with Jeremy Lamb. And, and those are two guys that are really good scorers, but of course they're not the greatest defenders. So, um, but anyway, I'm excited. The Pacers got a win. It felt good to see them get another W. It had been a while over a week and, you know, it had been since the Memphis game the, the previous week before. So it's, it's just one of those things, 13 and 13, Fachi, they're fifth in the Eastern conference and every team below them has a losing record. So, it's, it's not the end of the world. They're probably going to finish in the top six by the end of the season. And, you know, you said it last time. They're going to make the playoffs, so just calm down. They're going to make the playoffs. I mean, the fact some of these comments on Twitter yesterday were so bad. I mean, people trashing the team, trashing Bjorkman. Alex, we're in fifth place. It's like, oh, my God. When, when did these expectations become this high that we could be without Warren, without Levert, in fifth place, uh, a game and a half behind third, and all of a sudden this team's no good. I mean, we need time. We're going to get healthy. We're running at like 75% capacity, if that. So get a win when you can do it. You know what? Up, upcoming is the Hawks and the Bulls. Those are two very winnable games. Before you know it, the Pacers could be right in third place. It's very possible, if not fourth. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. And so this Pacers team is completely fine. Sure, they do have their flaws. There are issues with them uh, overall makeup-wise because last night not playing Goga, while it wasn't necessarily a knock on Goga, I just think, you know, sometimes it's better just to have one lone center out there than two at all times. And, you know, we, we've seen how productive both Miles and Domas can be playing together, but also playing separately. And it just adds a totally different element to the game. So, sure, you know, I understand people wanting to see Goga develop. I want to see him too. Um, out there on the court, and I want to see Sumner out there. Eight-man rotations are a little nerve-wracking, but at last night's, you know, with last night's game, they had to get a win, Fachi. It was yeah. not – it was one of those things you could not lose to Detroit. Exactly. And, and, and heading in, heading into this five-game losing streak with a loss against Detroit, who's actually beaten some of the better teams, you just couldn't do that. And, and then, you know, we've got Atlanta coming up on Saturday. You talked about it off-air. Trey Young is a guy that has torched the Pacers – the last couple of seasons, it's going to be a tough matchup for Brogdon because of the abilities of Trey Young to shoot from deep. His quickness is, you know, he's shorter. So I think, you know, Brogdon kind of struggles with shorter, smaller guys that are a little bit quicker. 
it'll be interesting to see if they put Justin on him. I don't know what they're going to do, but they got to contain him as best as they can. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what else to, to say about that game. Do you have any other comments on that game? Yes, I mean, you don't want to overlook Atlanta at any point this year because Trey Young is obviously, you know, one of the more talented scorers in this league. There won't be DeAndre Hunter in this game, which I think is a uh, big news for the Pacers because he's having a really good sophomore year. But obviously, you still got guys like John Collins, who I wish could have been a Pacer. I know we've talked about that (laughs) many times before, even one of your recent tweets. I'm sorry. (laughs) Kevin Pritchard probably hates me after this. Oh keep bringing God, it up. I know. Keep bringing I'll, it up. I'll, I'll never get over that. But, you know, Atlanta, a team that's really not going in the right direction right now. They've lost uh, at least four out of five, I know. Could even be a little bit more than that, but I believe four out of five to be exact. So it's, it's a very winnable game for the Pacers. I think that we can do it. Um, and I just think this is a game that you should not, not necessarily say ex- I expect to win, but I hope that the Pacers are coming out strong to start in quarter one and can take down the Atlanta Hawks. No, they definitely have to take care of business. And I think another guy that's going to give them some problems because we've seen the Pacers have problems with bigs and just defensive bigs and guys that can rebound is Clint Capella. Now, (laughs) you know, he's had a really good year this year and he's, you know, maybe an all-star candidate. I don't know necessarily if he's going to make it, but I think he's in consideration because of how well he's been for this team and, you know, the Rockets traded him last year basically in a salary dump kind of move to try to get Covington. You know, they were just trying to get off the money, and it just – for some reason, James Harden, got, James Harden got tired of playing with people after so many games and whatever. So they ended up trading him to the to the Hawks, and Clint Capella was okay last year. I think he might have got hurt. I can't really remember. It's been so long ago. And then, of course, didn't, he had – Didn't get to play for Atlanta. Okay, because I knew he was hurt, and then COVID hit, so he probably didn't get a chance. You're yeah. right. So, I mean, he's been really good for him, and they've got some, you know, really good talent. They got Danilo Gallinari. They got a veteran player in Rondo on their team this year. So, this, and uh, they have Bogdanovich as well. So, this is a team that everybody expected. I mean, I remember some people even said they were going to jump the Pacers. Oh, my God. I and know, I was I like, can we just that. pump the brakes? Like, I just felt like they were the most overhyped team because of Gallinari, Rondo, and Bogdanovich. Like, Sure, these are good players, but they're not game-changing players. You know, that's kind of probably what Paul George felt like when he thought the Pacers were going to get Anthony Davis, and this is what they brought back to him instead. You know, I'm just just <laughs> saying because uh, yeah. rumor has it it was Gallo that was one of those guys that was supposed to be coming uh, back, Indiana. But anyway, all I'm saying like Gallo's a really good player, but like yeah. not winning you a championship. So, uh, and he's not elevating your team from you know the worst team in the Eastern Conference to you know, a top five seed. That was my biggest case there. It's just like, good grief, people, calm down. But um, I still like Atlanta. I still think they're good. They've got young players. They've got a good coach. And they've got Nate McMillan. I guess this is the Nate McMillan reunion, something I didn't even think about. Wow, yes, it is. So this is the first time the Pacers will get to see Nate McMillan on the sidelines, Fachi. wonder how he feels about how this new Pacers team looks. Yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully we can catch some comments. I'm sure he'll uh, keep it classy. But uh, one thing that worries me, I mean, just when you you bring up Clint Capella, one of the best rebounders in the league, the Hawks are one of the best rebounding teams in the league, fourth in the league uh, in total rebounds. So uh, I'm I'm a bit worried about that. So uh, the Patriots have struggled rebounding the ball all year, and not even just this year. It feels like the last few years. So I'm worried about that against Atlanta, but – other than that, I mean, Atlanta's pretty mediocre across the board. They're basically middle of the pack, middle of the pack team. 
But uh, they're, they're really not that bad defensively. They're actually giving up less points per game than the, up a little bit more, like a hair more um, points per game than the Pacers give up and score right around the same. So it's a matchup that I think is going to be a close game. You just hope the Pacers can squeak it out in the end. Absolutely, Fachi. So, you know, I don't have too much else to say about this, but I did just want to reflect real quick because we are making this a big deal. This is episode 200. So what a milestone now if you actually look at it, we did some mini series when we did the point guard chronicles a couple summers ago, but I don't count those because those weren't full on episodes like we normally have been doing. So this is officially episode 200. Fachi, I, I just got to say it's been a lot of fun, man, and I'm, I'm really excited. And, you know, just what are some of your favorite moments from uh, from the, the last two, uh, the last 100 episodes? Because I know we kind of reflected on episode 100 about thoughts. So now that we're at 200, what are some of your uh, greatest moments over the past couple of episodes? I think, you know, in the even just to go off of the last hundred episodes, I think we we've talked to some really cool people. I mean, yeah. aside from, you know, media members, I mean, having like Thad Young on the team, you know, on the episode and, and having David West. I mean, it was like a cross combination of David West. I love that those Pacer teams, you know, right around like twenty twelve, you know, being able to chat with him about those teams and then being able to chat with Thad about like the 2017, 2018 Pacers teams. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love that. I think that's been a lot of fun along the way. I mean, there's been a couple comments here and there that have, that have happened on our episode that have really gotten other people talking about uh, amongst the league and just fans in general. And just, I'm very, you know, appreciative of all of the work that you know, our listeners have put in of just sharing the episodes, listening to the episodes, critiquing us, all the little stuff to help this show continue pushing forward. That's been some of the most uh, rewarding moments for me, at least. Yeah. And, you know, what's funny is if you go back and look, our first uh, episode, 101, was a world without Pacers basketball. So we hit 101 on March 12th of 2020. Wow. So that was 11 months ago today, and we talked about the uh, the, the suspension and, huh. you know, how we thought it would be 30 days minimum. And, I mean, that's just so funny to think about how we talked about that. Kind of going through, I thought it was hilarious that one of the episodes, because there was not much talk, we were doing so many different lists on this uh, podcast. I did a recap of the coach draft <laughs> <laughs> on one of yep. these episodes and, you know, just trying to – bring up some stuff but you know we've you know the players have been awesome to have on here i can't remember if our test was before or after i think it was before 100 i think so yeah but we had thad young and we had david west like you mentioned then of course just the awesome guests like we had on today uh you know jj and um pat boylan you had howard beck on your show a couple of different times we've had jay michael from the indie star um, you know, we've had Tony from uh, Tony East from Locked On Pacers, Mark Schindler from Indy Cornrows podcast. You know, it's just really cool to see all the different people we've had on here and really just be able to talk all things Pacers because at the end of the day, like, that's what it's all about is just talking about this team, trying to get this, you know, trying to get the listeners feel of how this team looks and what they want to see differently about this team. But, yeah, man, it's it's been a lot of fun. Chris Denary, another one, got to give him a shout-out as well. So, just, just love the fact that we've been able to connect with so many different people throughout the last year, and I'm looking forward to seeing who else we can connect with as we go forward. Oh, yeah. I look forward to having a similar conversation for episode 300 when we get there because, Alex, when you and I first linked up, I mean, I don't even think we ever thought 100 episodes was realistic or going to happen. We just did it one episode at a time, and here yeah. we are. 
Yeah, no, it's funny because I think started this before I got married and then I got engaged shortly after and I thought, well, once I get married, I'll probably kind of fade off on doing this. And actually, that's been quite the opposite. I've actually picked it up a little bit more. And, <laughs> yes, it has. You know, the wife is, you know, the wife is supportive enough. I wouldn't say like she's like, oh, my God, I can't wait for you to do a podcast. But she's like, yeah, I know you enjoy doing it. So have fun with it. And, uh, you know, she loves the logo. She loves all the interaction. And, you know, she does get tired of watching Pacer games a lot whenever she wants to watch one of her cooking shows. But, hey, I, I appreciate her for allowing me to watch most of the games on the big screen TV whenever I'm home. And uh, she doesn't get too mad if I hug the TV. So shout out to the wife, Annie. Uh, just she's, you know, she's part of it. You know, putting your life on hold for podcasts throughout the week can be time consuming, especially with editing and all that stuff. Oh, of course, I got to give a shout out to Babe right now. I can't tell you how many dinners either go cold or or uh, are so <laughs> delayed because we're still recording going on and on. So yeah, she's been a great trooper about all this. And you know, when we first started this, I wasn't even with. Babe, and then wow, now you're engaged. Here we are now. I'm engaged, planning a wedding that's going to be uh, nearly a year from now. So you know, awesome. time really flies at you, uh, and you know the, the Pacers have been there all along the way. So for that, I'm happy that uh, when you mentioned episode 101, where there was no basketball, whoo, Alex, I'm grateful. 100 episodes later, there is plenty of basketball. <laughs> no, there's no doubt about it. Plenty of basketball, and if you haven't already noticed, we have a brand new logo. So I want to give Charles Martinez, uh, a friend of mine, a huge shout out for the graphic design. I mean, went back with back and forth with them multiple times, trying to come up with the perfect idea. Absolutely love the design that we came up with. And I know based on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, it was really mixed emo like mixed uh, reactions on um, which one they liked better. Everybody seemed to really love the, the new logo, but there was a couple of different variations that we weren't sure of. And really, it was kind of like a 50-50 split based on all of the thoughts I got back from Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, you know, whatever one you like better, just let us know. Like, it's really cool. And um, I don't know if you saw or not, but on my page, I did tweet out a sweatshirt um, of the logo on it. I'm no, not sure if we're going to sell merchandise or not, but if y'all are interested at all, I know it's sort of the podcast. So if you're a faithful listener and you're interested at all and maybe getting some setting the pace swag, let me know. We'll figure something out. But other than that, Fachi, do you have um, anything else you want to say? No, I will definitely be getting one of those sweatshirts. I, I think that it looks really cool. And I love the fact that you guys really waited on this and helped us decide what to pick because Alex and I were torn and it sounded like everyone else was really torn on this decision. But uh, we couldn't have done it without you guys. I Like I said, I'm getting a sweatshirt. So if you guys have any interest definitely let us know um and thanks for absolutely everything along the way because if you guys weren't helping us out i, I promise you there would be no episode 200 absolutely so 201 will be coming at you more than likely sunday night monday morning as Fachi will be covering the hawks game the bulls upcoming game you know just a lot going on and we're still in the process of getting on some other big guests for the next 100 episodes so hopefully we can land a couple of those big guests that we have lined up and uh, yeah, we'll just you know keep you on that cliffhanger there. And thank you guys so much for checking us out. Follow Fachi at underscore F-A-C-C-I. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. You can check out all of our podcast stuff on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3 and over on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And at the end of the day, Fachi, we've got three words for all of Pacer Nation. Let's go Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.